following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Well, we are, um, we are returning uh, to work in 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 3 this morning. We're going to look at verses 14 and 15. And that's page 992 in the Pew Bibles, if that's helpful to you. Um, but uh, before, before we do, let's, uh, let's pray and, and then we'll dive in. Uh, Father, we come to you again and come to your word knowing that uh, your word holds life and truth and freedom for us, not uh, rules and restrictions, but great blessing. We pray that your Holy Spirit would guide us uh, in this work of uh, expositing your word, interpreting your word. Um, So, Lord, may your hand be on us as we look to your word this morning. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, So, I wonder, in your conversations with people outside of church... Uh, with people that don't know the Lord Jesus, uh, have you ever asked anyone what they think of the church? I said, fun question. If you know, if you're into that sort of thing, um, and I'm I'm sure uh, if you were to try it, if you haven't before, the the answers would be quite interesting, and I'd be willing to bet they'd probably be quite discouraging. Um, because we know that the world does have a strong opinion of the church. Um, I'm sure that there are folks that have never given a church a second thought. Um, maybe a church had never been part of their upbringing, or they don't have anything against it, but uh, they're not really that interested either. I found that to be true here in Ossipee, um, with some folks. Uh, when we first come here, um, this church had been here for almost 20, over 25 years, and I asked for, we need a burn permit for a bonfire we're going to have out back. And I called the West Ossipee Fire Department and say, I need a burn permit, and we're going to have a fire at the church. They said, okay, which church? And I said, it's Crossroad Church. Where is that? They said, West Usby Fire Department. It's on the same road here. I said, where, where, where is that? I said, uh, well, it used to be Usby Valley Bible Church. You got to do better. I said, it's across the street from Napa. I said, well, I'll just come down Route 16 and look for the sign. I said, okay. Okay. And believe it or not, they found us, and that's when we learned the story about how this building referred to as the Alphabet Church or the ABC Church. And that's a long story. I'll tell you another time. Um, but this is the truth. The, I know there's just one person, but, this, but the church is irrelevant to him. And that's just one story. Um, there are others, many others uh, in the world... Um, on the whole, 
They feel that the church is out of touch, that it's irrelevant, that it's judgmental, that it's hypocritical and homophobic. That's what the world think of the church. And in many cases, unfortunately, those views are accurate. People think that way because that's been their experience. Uh, another widely held opinion of the church that is held by believers and unbelievers alike is that the church is a building. We're inside the church, right? Um, there's just some building that's either made of stone or brick or wood, but it's generally white, um, though sometimes brown and rare occasions green with white. Uh, it usually has a pointy steeple. But but not all of them. Some have lots of pointy spires and stained glass, and and some look like they got started with a steeple, and they quit like they ran out of money. So it's just a tower with a flat top. Well, whatever these buildings look like, they are where people go to religious services and to weddings and funerals, and that's the church. And lots of people hold the view that the church is God's house and, and that people go there to visit him like he's here all week long, alone, <laughs> waiting for you Sunday morning to come to your appointment with him. And the unfortunate reality with all of these views that people hold, and I know I have not got them all, uh, the unfortunate reality is sometimes people just eat what they're fed. That's what people say, the church is irrelevant. They don't know. They say the church is judgmental, but they don't know. Some people say the church is full of hypocrites. Well, so is the rest of the world. But uh, they don't know that firsthand. Maybe their parents didn't go to church, so they don't go to church. And their kids probably won't go to church. So on and so on. And maybe somebody really did have a bad experience with the church being hypocritical or judgmental personally, which is too bad. But maybe they just read an article online or watched a video on YouTube and made up their mind that the church is bad and they don't want any part of it. They tell you what to do and how to dress and, and what to say and how you can't talk and can't have fun anymore. Hmm. <laughs> Everybody knows what church building looks like. <laughs> well, I guess maybe not. Um, and everybody calls these pointy white buildings churches, right? So why would people that the church was anything other than a building? Uh, sorry. Very easily distracted. It's the Lord. Hello. He says, move on, get to Scripture. See, the problem with all of these things is that those um, those who should think differently don't, and mostly because we don't truly understand what the church really is and what is for ourselves. Nobody is telling anybody any different. Say, so, church is just a building, and we don't say anything about it. Well, you can think that if you want. That's your truth, right? It's garbage. It's the truth. This was Paul's concern in 1 Timothy 3. Yes, we are going to talk about Scripture this morning. Paul's concern in 1 Timothy 3, 14 and 15. He writes, I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these things to you so that if I delay, 
you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Now, if you've been with us the last few weeks, um, we've uh, been uh, reading. Uh, Paul had just been most of chapter 3 in First Timothy, describing the qualifications and work of elders and deacons. Um, those who have been given the responsibility of managing or caring for the spiritual and physical needs of the church family. And those are the these things that uh, he's talking about in verse 14. I'm writing these things to you about deacons and elders and all that. Uh, he wanted to make sure that the church in Ephesus, where Timothy was when he received this letter, was set in order and organized properly so that the church could function as it should, according to the Lord's design. And that's what we've spent the last few weeks uh, dealing with, those things. What I want to focus on today is the expressions that Paul used to describe the church itself, because they offer great insight uh, into the purpose and work of the church. And the first expression uh, is there in verse 15. It says, the household of God, how you ought how one ought to behave in the household of God. And now you notice that it says household and not house. That's important. What's the difference between a household and house? Thanks for trying to guess. Right. House made of bricks and stony wood, and a household is made of people. Um, this, why isn't this easier? Yes, um, this this exactly how it should be. We understand that God's household is God's family, and we talk about that a lot here in our church family, and we use the expression church family a lot, and we use the word church building. Well, I do, anyway. Um, understanding that this building that we're in is that, it's a building. It's not God's house where God resides and we come to visit him every Sunday because I am not him, right? And it's not like, forget it. People often confuse church buildings with the tabernacle and the temple of the Old Testament. Uh, tabernacle is a great big tent carried around by the, uh, by the Levites, carried through the desert. Um, during the Exodus, led by Moses, right? That's a tabernacle. Um, and God's presence was there when they set up the tabernacle as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And when the pillar of cloud or fire, depending on time of day, moved, the, the nation of Israel packed up the tent and they moved with it. But that's a tabernacle and not a church. And the temple... Uh, was constructed originally by King Solomon according to the specific designs of God, and his presence filled it. It followed the pattern of the tabernacle, but it didn't move. It's built in one place. You can go to that place where it once stood today in Jerusalem and stand on the Temple Mount. It's a beautiful sight to stand there. But the temple not there anymore. But even after the temple was built and Solomon prayed his prayer of dedication, he said in this is 1 Kings 8.27, he 
He says, But will God indeed dwell on earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house that I have built. See, God does not live in temples made by men. He doesn't live in this building uh, all by himself. Paul, pre- Paul echoed Solomon's prayer as he preached in Athens in Acts 17, verses 24 and 25. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. The temptation is to make the building, this building, the temple, so that we are only concerned with the Lord and his desires for us when we're here, uh, thus freeing ourselves from any responsibility whatsoever before God when we leave. We only have to act a certain way when we're here, right? Wrong. This is heresy of the highest order. Absolutely wrong. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1 through 6, makes it clearer than I ever could. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house, that meaning household. For Jesus had been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is good. Now Moses was faithful in all God's household as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's household as a son, and we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. We are God's house, meaning household, family, like the house of Keniston, right? Or or the house of Aaron. It's the whole family. We are God's household, God's family. God does not live in this building by virtue of the building itself. It's just a building until you put the cross on the top or on the front. And then God can move in. No. God dwells in this building because he dwells in us. Those who hold fast our confidence and boasting in our hope in the Lord Jesus. When he, when we leave, guess what? He comes with us. The second expression that Paul uses in these short verses is the church of the living God in verse 15. The church of the living God. Now, we have to remember Paul writing to Timothy in the first century in uh, the city of Ephesus, which is in Greece. Uh, not Ospi. It's a little bit different. Um, Ephesus was the second largest city in Greece and was home to the temple of Diana, which housed... Uh, they say a meteorite or something that supposedly fell to earth that looked like Diana. I I don't know how they knew what she looked like. They only have statues. Anyway, Greece and the rest of the Roman Empire was littered with temples 
to various gods with images made of stones of these false deities. I have been there and seen it myself. They are beautiful buildings, but really very sad because people put a lot of effort into building temples to dead false deities. And that's why the expression, the church of the living God, held so much weight to the original receptors of this letter, the people that got this first. He is the living God and not some lifeless idol made of stone or wood or bronze or whatever. He is alive. God is alive. He doesn't live in a temple. You don't have to pray to his statue. He is alive. And through faith in Jesus Christ, he lives inside of us. And we become his temple. We are his church. That word in Greek is ekklesia. You can impress your friends with that if you want. She used a lot in scripture and it means literally the called out ones. We are the ones who are called out of the world. Um, we have been called out of the vain pursuit of worthless and lifeless idols of the world to follow the one true living good. Our friends and neighbors bow down to a lot of lifeless idols, whether it's money or power or influence or status. And the temptation for us is to bow down to those same things. It's constant, but we serve the one true living God. God has called the church out of the world as far as faith is concerned, but has set the church in the center of the world because the church has work to do. And that work is described in the third expression that Paul used to describe the church, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Um, So if you think about Greek architecture, um, if mm, I should have given you a picture, um, but pillars and buttresses were common architectural features in Ephesus. All those big columns, you know, uh, on those buildings. Think of the Lincoln Lincoln Memorial Monument is a Corinthian column. Those pillars. You get it. I'm not the only one that's ever seen a pillar before. Um, These uh, pillars are huge columns that supported the roof of a building and the buttresses were um, this foundation and support of the columns. Um, You couldn't just take a a 3,000 ton stone column and set it in the sand and then try to put a roof on top because it just fall down and need to have uh, a lot of support underneath. And that's what buttress is. Uh, if you see in Roman Catholic Church, they have flying buttresses, which sounds fun. And it's just a giant stone support that comes up the side of the building, and there's rows of them. It's, forget it. Not important. Anyway... By borrowing these images of uh, pillars and supports of foundation, Paul is saying that the work of the church as a pillar and as foundation, a pillar and support of the truth, is the church's job is to hold up the truth. It's not that the church defines the truth. We don't stand above scripture as the Catholic church teaches. We don't. 
we hold up and display the truth, the truth of the gospel, the truth of God's word, that no matter what we have done in our lives, God loves us so much that he sent his son to die on the cross in our place for our sin. And when we turn to him in faith, our sins are forgiven and we are adopted as his children. That's the simple truth that the church is to hold up before the world. The church is God's chosen instrument to communicate his truth and love to the world. He will never, listen to me, he will never, ever, ever choose a different way to do it. The church is plan A. And there is no plan B. The church is designed and dedicated to holding up the truth of the gospel, the love of God before the world. The church is built on the testimony that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Listen to Matthew 16, 13 through 18. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, the rock of his confession, not the rock of his person, the rock of his confession, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We are built on a testimony that Jesus is the Christ. And our responsibility as his church is to hold forth the truth of God's love, the truth of the scripture, and the doctrine of Jesus Christ and his apostles. That's our responsibility, and that rests on no one else but the church. The world refuses to believe that the church has cornered the market on truth. But the reality is, we have. When someone says to you, that's your truth, not my truth, they are wrong. There is the truth, and it's found in the Word of God. It's the method of how we hold up that truth that has a tendency to burn people. Far too many people have been turned off or turned away by the message of rules and platitudes and cliches instead of the truth in love, insisting that people change so that they can be accepted. But in truth, people are accepted, and by God's grace, by the work of His Spirit, they begin to change. Jason Page wrote, A liberal church says, You are welcome here and you do not have to clean up your life. Nothing has to change. A legalistic church says, you are not welcome here until you clean up your life. Mm. But Jesus says, you are welcome here, and I will change your life from the inside out. 
And we, those who have put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sin and direction for life, are the household of God. His family, we are the church of the one true living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Hmm. And that's our responsibility, to hold it up, show it off to the world in love. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or think, according to the power that's at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, what an awesome privilege it is to be part of your church family, to be called out from the world to be forgiven of our sin, to be adopted as your sons and daughters. God, we can't thank you enough. But may that not stop with just the words. May we not just uh, say that we're grateful, but prove that we're grateful by doing what you've asked us to do, to be the pillar and support of the truth, to show the truth to our neighbors, not just yell the truth at them, with pointed fingers and furrowed brows, but with love. May people see you at work in us and hear you in our words and witness what it's like to truly be adopted as a child of God. Father, we need your help when it comes to being a support and, and pillar of the truth. We don't always know what to say or when to say it or if to say anything at all. We pray that you would give us words to say, that you would give us boldness to say them, not be afraid of the consequences. We do love you, Lord. And I pray, Lord, this morning, if there's anyone here who does not know Jesus as Lord, who has not been adopted as your child, that this morning they would ask you for forgiveness and they would submit their lives to you. Just a simple prayer. So that they too can be forgiven and be adopted as your child. I pray you would do that work. And thank you for the reminder for all of us that we are adopted and called out for a purpose to proclaim your gospel that more people would be called out and adopted so that your kingdom would expand here on earth as we patiently await your return. We love you, Lord, and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.